Hey everyone, Dave here. Welcome to episode 60 of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. On today's episode, I am talking to former professional football coach, Tony Wormsley. We talk about how he was thrust into the limelight at 21 years old, right through his career working with some of the biggest teams on the planet. Uh, and now how he uses the skills he developed from professional sport to help businesses develop great tip for high performing teams and great leadership so really hope you enjoy this conversation i think it's one of the best that we've had so far if you do please remember to write us a review share with your friends subscribe uh, and like and with that let's get on with the show Have you ever questioned why it is that some people seem to have everything they could ever wish for? Health, wealth, love and happiness, but others seem to lack all of these things. Why is it the small minority manage to achieve greatness, but the vast majority fail to reach even beyond mediocrity? What are this small minority doing differently to everybody else? It can't just be down to circumstance, billionaires rise out of poverty. Those questions have been in my head my whole life. And a couple of years ago, I decided to stop wondering and start searching for the answers so that I could help more people achieve greatness in their own lives. So join me and follow along as I uncover the secrets of the minority that the majority aren't taught so that you can apply them to your own life to achieve your own greatness and live the life you want and deserve. My name is David Bell and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Tony, welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Thank you very much for giving up your time and come and share your story today. Um, how are things with you? Well, firstly, thanks for having me on, David. It's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I think under the circumstances, th things couldn't be better. Um, yeah. You know, I'm excited about the interview today or the, the, the conversation. Um, and, I'm, and I'm excited about how things are going in general. So it's good. It's nice to have an optimistic outlook in all of these interesting these challenging times you know it'd be easy to get to get side swiped and kind of bogged down with the bad side but there is there is opportunity around yeah and you know some of that's an innate uh you know i've been i've been classed as delusionally optimistic in the past and i do live <laughs> in that future state of everything's everything's good and everything's okay and uh you know along the journey some of those some people find it difficult to go with that level of enthusiasm or, or positivity um, and that's you know that's the world i live in now it's mm -hmm. it's recognizing those 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 differences and how we're all different and and that that what's real for me is not necessarily uh as e equally enthused by somebody else so <laughs> it's an important thing to recognize it is and it is very apparent at these current times it's interesting to see all the different the different takes and different perspectives of everything that's going on it's definitely everything's quite divisive at the moment it seems like no matter where you are in the world there seems to be uh uh polarity um in in all aspects and it's a it's a it's a, it's a different time to be alive it seems different than most of the about the other years i've been on this planet that's for sure Absolutely. I think at an extreme end, that, that divisiveness is dangerous and, and, mm -hmm. and threatening and concerning, um, even for optimistic people like me. 
Um, but then when you wind that in a little bit or, or you go, you get closer together, um, it does just capture the individuality and, and the uniqueness of everybody. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes in order to live or work or operate in the structure that we're given, whether it's a work structure or a team structure, or um, most of the time we get on with that in our own in our own way which is different from all the people that we're working with it's a really complex thing to Mm -hmm. be trying to bring to the surface and and get on top of and and i think that's why a lot of managers struggle to um to navigate that part of the job yeah definitely we'll come a bit more onto that in a minute um let's give give everyone listening um a bit of background so i think you've got quite an interest in interesting career path um through professional sport and and has taken you all over the world and be interesting to understand what where it all started for you and kind of where you where you are now and where you, where you're heading to well first qualified as a i didn't know what i wanted to do which is you know i'm a late maturer in that regard i'm 54 now so only really last year did i really work out what i wanted to do yeah, do you know i, I can't remember I, I heard from somebody who was like 94 and they said i still don't know what i want to do <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, feel for- with that. <laughs> I feel fortunate that i've got clarity now about what, what you know i've definitely landed on the right place in terms of yeah, meaningful existence and what's purposeful mm-hmm. and so on we can get into that later but 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 winding back um you know i've loved sport uh, I thought that a PE teacher was the path I was going to take. It's not really an academic, you know, university didn't float my boat, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, even though I went to Loughborough and thought, oh, this looks cool, you know, I could maybe do that. It's an impressive oh. place, though, Loughborough. I've been, oh, I've been yeah. a couple of times and just unbelievable, that facility. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And, um, and I was working in a sports store, playing sport, cricket in summer, football in, in the winter, had trials in football and, and, and uh, didn't didn't make it wasn't good enough um, and did some coaching courses very early you know I was sort of 17 18 when I when I qualified through the FA initially and it was the first time that the lights had been turned on that actually football wasn't just about putting a team sheet on the, on on the wall an hour before kickoff and then getting yelled at for for an hour and a half it was actually some method and theory and principles behind it which which had just latched onto straight away and it, it was a real light bulb moment wow this is this is different and i was encouraged i was comfortable you know in the face of working with all these older guys i was just comfortable it fit, fit me like a glove really and i ended up flying out to australia i was, I was 21 and I, I flew out to tasmania of all places to take on a senior what's now the national premier league so the the, the second tier in, in australian football to take on a senior player coaching role with zero experience of, of no <laughs> qualification. And, and uh, you know, at 21, and I think back, I think about, you know, was it courageous or was it naive? You know, it was all of those things. Um, foreign country, you know, and my, my perception of Australia back then was, uh, I didn't know anything about Australian football, soccer, but I'd seen obviously Australian rules football. And I just had this picture that everybody was going to be this physical <laughs> specimen. And I needed to no I needed to bulk up a little bit. And so I did extra training and stuff like that, which which was good because I was I was really fit when I went there, which helped. So it started a what what became a 25 to 30 year 30 year career. Um, 
you know, when I think about where, you know, there was a period of time in the early 2000s where I was working, uh, Man United invested a fair bit of money into into a, a project in Australia. They were looking for the next Harry Kuhl, Mark Viduka, who were doing big things at the time. And I, I led that program for a while, and uh, which was amazing, you know, amazing for me. When I saw the advert in the, the paper, it, it just was like, this is this is your your thing. So the hell of an institution. Oh, amazing! You know, and and, and what what was interesting about that whole experience for me was the you know, flying over to Carrington and being being part of the setup for, you know, several weeks at a time was just the um, the way that people were treated, the level of respect that, that everybody was given, regardless of who you were. There was the humility was absolutely incredible. And, and at that time, I was a little bit disenfranchised with with with. Not, not necessarily coaching, but the politics of sport, the politics of the game. And I, I was re-energized by the culture that that was on display there. Mm. The people that I, that I was able to engage with were inspirational. And it sort of re, re-energized me and, and back we went and, and back on, on this journey. And, Do you think that was Ferguson that really led that? Oh, definitely. I think I think the the people have asked me about about that before, and I think it's dangerous to benchmark managers and leaders against such outliers as mm-hmm. as, as he is and he was. He was so successful for so long and did it yeah. in his in his unique way. Um, it's I think it's a dangerous thing to try and follow that or emulate that. Take the good bits out of it, but. I think be yourself is is the absolute, you know, and that, and be the best version. What, of, the best yeah, that, version of yourself is is it. And that's what he was, right? That that was that's a, it's a we kind of slightly deviate here just to talk about him for a second. But I think I mean, you talk about leadership. I think we the important part was he was himself. He created that from himself. And I think if you try and copy leaders like him, like you were saying, you're you can you can copy the tactics absolutely but you won't necessarily get the same result because it's you're not him it, you've got to find you've got to take the principles but still use your your own your own way the magic your magic source is you right and you just yeah. got to find what that yeah. voice is and i think that's what we struggle with quite often yeah so so that was interesting and around that time i started to think about because you know f- football in australia was a very at the pointy end of the pyramid Mm-hmm. very few professional clubs so very few opportunities and i wasn't that ambitious to be in that environment i, I ended up there managing an a-league team um, at the back end of my, my coaching career uh finished in 2016 where i got fired as 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 coaches and managers do <laughs> that's but, the badge of honor you you can't you can't be a proper coach unless you, you, do it. Fired, and, surely. And you, have, you have to hold your hands up and and whatever the circumstances take responsibility you know is is the the pathway to uh, really learning from the challenges that you face and, mm-hmm. you know, how did you manage them? What could you have done better? All of that sort of stuff. And that, you know, there's some fascinating, you know, being asked um, on live TV by Mark Bosnich, whether you, you should resign is a great experience when you look at it in, you know, I lived through that yeah. and, and danced on my feet in the moment. And uh, what was the answer? Well, the answer the, the answer was a really authentic answer which was the the process and, and the situation 
I gave them an honest answer about where we were at and what um, and what we were doing with and what the the, the vision for the organisation was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the only answer I had. It's not. It's not about. It's, it. It was a loaded question. Yes, and, it is very loaded. Yeah. You know, it, it. There's an agenda behind the question that you know I was never given the opportunity to go on TV and 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 ask questions back. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. You know, if. If, if you're in the middle, yeah, you've in, got the power. It? You carry yeah. the power. There's no doubt about it. So it, 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 from a uh, from a w- where I'm at now, and you know that was such a small part of the whole journey that I've had, but a great experience mm-hmm. nonetheless to go. You know, if I'm talking to a a business leader who's under scrutiny, who's under pressure, there's external demand, um, there's competitive environment. Um, I know what that feels like. Yes. So I can I can have a and it's not essential, but it helps when yeah. you're having those conversations um, because you can tap into, you can empathise, but you can also um, offer perspective and a, and a, a, the the ability to help people step outside of themselves and see it for what it might really be, you know, just a set of demands that are external to you, plus your own maybe your own fears that are holding yeah. you back from going where you want to go. You know, there's all of that stuff in play all the time, which fascinates me. It's so a... so I was, ta- I was before then, I was tapping in and out of business. Uh, I, I set up my own little uh, little thing. I, I worked with some other people, collaborated on a sports travel management company, and I started to realise the value of, of my network mm-hmm. and how that could help other people grow their business. And, you know, I'm a really open person by nature and got burned a couple of times um again great experiences and you can either go two ways with that i think you can you can close up and be mm-hmm. be a little bit more um resistant to it or you can just continue to be yourself and make make better choices and be yes. more careful about about where you go so that that's tends to be the way the, the way i went so i had this pathway of so this this 25 30 year career in football I've got this timeline on my website on the right hand side of this timeline is my football career and on the left hand side is my uh, business career and there's this middle section of football where where i started to you could see this entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. um, streak of what it is whether it's curiosity i'm I'm not really sure i started to do other things and and i was i was definitely interested in in learning beyond what the game was teaching me, what 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 coach education was teaching me, um, lots of travel was as well in, in and around that. Until in 2012, I went from I took a complete a complete sort of right angle, 90 degree shift, and went from football into a really senior leadership role in a a joint venture in Australia, uh, a UGL Unipart, big engineering and logistics. Um, oh, that is left <laughs> left field. Oh, right. Wow, honestly, talk talk about. I, I knew I knew I transferred skills when I was. I had to do a what's called a standard work project, and this was all about rail maintenance. So the the contract I was <laughs> I was working in Australia uh, in the business development department for an organisation had a massive contract to to maintain Sydney fleet of, fleet of trains, about a thousand trains knock, knocking about that need regular maintenance so that was the environment that i went into it's part of my training in the uk as well as learning about lean 
methodology and you know six sigma i'm not a mathematician at all that was so out of my, my league did negotiation training there strategic selling all of that kind of stuff the hardcore learning was um in and around standard work processes so i found myself doing a and i'm a man united fan by the way so i found myself um doing a standard work project in liverpool uh, for two weeks at allerton rail depot and i was I, I took a moment to sort of capture for myself standing under a big, um, you know, dirty diesel engine <laughs> with a hard hat on and a clipboard talking to, <laughs> talking to a bunch of scousers about, um, <laughs> is this the best way to fix this train? So, you know, it's, it, 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 it's such a, um, it's a long I can way see where the crossover it. is. I can see where the crossover is about, different teams doing the same yeah. job in different ways and all the personalities <laughs> that went into that but the um, environment is is must have been so alien oh it, it was it was frightening so i had to it's funny i had to uh, give a report to to the um, northern rail about <laughs> what i'd seen and uh i got i got i'm really proud of it i got sort of a commendation from the chief of northern rail he sent wrote a letter to <laughs> to my bosses which was fantastic one of the things I'm most proud of, but what it said was, um, not sure he knows a lot about trains. <laughs> However, yeah. what, he, what he did, and you know, we'd have him back anytime, sort of thing. So it was, it was, it captured yeah. it in a in a nutshell that I was in this alien environment, but but doing some some interesting and, and relevant work, really. What was it that made you go take that that leap? Because it is it's a big kind of industry career change really yeah it i mean there's two answers to that one one is uh financially it was a, a brilliant, too good an offer to to, to turn down but where did um, the offer where did it come from in the first well, place because well, you, like, you don't the, stumble across that when you're on the football field, yeah it's just right? oh well i'll take that uh, uh, classified ad in a new newspaper yeah. football coach wanted to fix trains it was just like it was made for me <laughs> yeah um the the reality was I, I met a guy for lunch who who this was, I was working in England at the time at Sheffield United and um, I met a guy for lunch who I'd met in Australia he was the CEO of of this company and he was in, I'd met him through football and he was over on business and um, we we'd agreed to go for lunch and it it was uh, you know it, it, through the conversation over lunch I asked him again out of interest what would somebody like me do i was just trying to pick understand his business you know what as a ceo for this big thing i didn't even know what he did you know in, in detail mm -hmm. and it, it was one of those moments where he like puts his knife and fork down and he said something on the lines of we, we can't get people like you enough people like you in in our industry and i, I didn't really know what that meant so he explained it and it was all about the softer skills so mm -hmm. when, when i went in and experienced it for myself the a, a very um highly regulated compliant um environment a massive contract it was a billion dollar contract that they were servicing right. and lots of highly qualified subject matter experts doing the getting things done and mm -hmm. trying to get things done more efficiently more cost effectively and i'm so i land at this place and i'm thinking 
you know, major imposter syndrome. What the hell am I doing here? And why are they paying me to do this? Mm-hmm. Didn't really understand it, but it was excited because the conversation went from, oh, we can't get enough people like you to let's have dinner. What does that mean? Explained it. And within a short period of time, there was, there was a, there was an offer. It was like, <laughs> oh, so I was on a roll. And, and amazing where, amazing where one lunch or whatever, one dinner can lead to, right? Yeah, and 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 the guy that took me there, he's a very um, he's he's a, somebody that I would call a, a real mentor um, of of mine because you know I was sitting on in leadership team meetings and and watching all these experts go about their business and how they report to the business and how he managed all of those characters and personalities within this this environment and he's dealing with unions and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's dealing with a lot of agitation. He's dealing with irate customers and I'm sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. You know, look at how good these people are. What the hell am I doing here? Um, and eventually started to find just a, and, and this is what I loved about, about him. And, and, and he, he obviously saw something, that his business needed and he saw something in me that could fill that gap. And I was like a gap filler. So I, I, I found myself in between um, or in the middle of a really challenging mm-hmm. customer and service provider dynamic and able to just make people feel a little bit better about what was going on. And take the personality out of it, and 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 start to bring bring things down to a, what what is really going on, mm-hmm. and can let let's find a way that works for everyone to get to get through it. And it it was it was really no you know in simple terms it it was about it was about that. Do you think that in that kind of environment they struggled they were struggling to find people with the softer skills because it's such a technical environment and that quite often we're in, in, in industries where it is very, very, where it is technical, very kind of cold, I guess, um, that the people tend to rise through, through the ranks, you know, from a very technical, technical background mm-hmm. rather than coming in at the level that you, you came in at, um, from a dip from other, other experiences. So I think they're so you kind of get conditioned, right. From a young stage, you go through your, engineering qualifications when you're younger and and work your way up and everything's very very process process technical um and the human bit isn't doesn't get taught Uh, it's absolutely the case and and you know that's one example and you know i'm I'm heavily and deeply into this sort of work at the moment around personality and and you know another example similar to that is um, like the high-performing salesperson or related to football, the, the, the top player that's coming to the end of his career that walks straight into management. Yeah. Um, it's the two completely different things and yeah. one's far more complex than the other. One is you learn your trade and you learn how to do it really well. And the next is, well, there's a load of different people now that... <laughs> A lot more places to speak. Uh, that you're <laughs> yeah. responsible for getting the best out of. And that is a really complex thing that most people don't navigate very well. And and, and I believe most businesses, have the competitive advantage is sitting in the room 
they just need to find a way of bringing that to the surface and that that's the stuff i'm working on at the moment which which excites me the most and i, and I relate it back to, to football all the time it, it it's it's no different when when i've been unsuccessful i haven't got close enough to um the root of the problem for each of the mm. individuals quickly enough to get um to get traction and and, and move move the dial in the right way at the right time and once you're in that cycle uh, you know in a in a cutthroat world high performers leave quick leave quickly because they can because they've got options elsewhere yeah. and then it's just a a cycle of of doom <laughs> <laughs> yeah so did you go from did you go from that role to to what you're doing now uh, no so so what happened so i went from the rolling trains and I went back to football. So I was given an opportunity to manage at the in, in the A-League. Uh -huh, back uh, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And because I was consulting back to the owner of the club while I was while I was doing this job, just helping with some strategic recruitment. Um, and, I, and I took on a caretaker role for the back end of the scene, which is another funny story, really. The business outsourced me to the football club for seven weeks right. and corporate rates to go and see this thing off it's it's sort of unheard of and and in in some ways um hard for me to believe that 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 happened and certainly hard for people in the organization that outsourced me for, i can see how some of them would have been looking at that and scratching their heads as to how is that and and how it played out I left work on Friday, so I'd accept, we managed to get this deal done, say on a Thursday. I had the day off scheduled anyway on the Friday. On Saturday, I was on live TV as the head coach of this team. So I left the office Thursday, <laughs> wow. Saturday I'm on live TV and I'm back in the office on Monday. And pe people have obviously got different, uh, <laughs> different views on, on what, what they'd seen and how that had transpired, but fascinating nonetheless. And I, I got offered that job uh, on a permanent basis, which I, which I took, um, it was a, it was one of those hearts over minds decision. Really, mm -hmm. does that opportunity ever come round again? Very unlikely that it would. So, so I took it and it ended the way it did. And when when I got when I lost my job there, moved back to the UK. All my family were here, um, and this is when I was really starting to think about what. It was a moment of okay, stop. What what are you doing? So I took a fair chunk of time out to process what I was going to do next, and and along that path, and this is where I, so in the space of the next twelve months, I, I, I spent time on a football project in um, in China, and then and then India. So uh, it, it was two other sort of wild, crazy adventures um, that. I suppose capture a period of uncertainty for myself. Mm. You know, it doesn't come, it doesn't look like there's a real clear plan going on at that point in time. And, and, and there definitely wasn't. Um, in both cases, I was, I saw the potential and the scale of China and the scale of India and the growth of the game there. I, w I wanted to be a part of that and mm. saw that as, you know, it was fairly opportunistic. Um, but nonetheless, it was, neither project were right for different reasons and it was it was a, 
at that time I thought, no, let's let's just stay put in the UK. Let's get some stability, like grow up a little bit. <laughs> um, and and I, I then went back into into the business world. This this time again into another uh, another sector in the technology sector, which is probably, you know, if trains were. <laughs> If, if transport and infrastructure was was one thing, tech was something completely completely different. Again, you know, in terms of fast moving, mm. digital transformation, um, solution selling, high pressure sales. Uh, you know, we we were similar to yourself in, in the organisation you worked with. It was a Nasdaq listed US based organisation of which we were a very small part in the UK, mm-hmm. but a Microsoft you know, tier one partner, nonetheless. So it was, you know, to go into a tech industry of that stature was pretty phenomenal. And, you know, what I learned about sales during that time, it's like, it's like a paid sabbatical. It's like you're getting paid to, to be trained, Mm -hmm. you know, as well as you can be in terms of sales methodology and stuff. It was, it was quite fascinating, but I'm not, I'm not technically wired and the grind of the grind of that just wasn't for me and it was i had a bit of ill health well a lot of ill health during that period and uh those two things combined i I went in resigned one day and and it was at that point i thought right this is time to line in the sand what are you going to do and why and here we are and what was the what was that how did you what was that process then when you drew that line in the sand because i think you know you, you as you describe you kind of had you've you've had a, uh, a an interesting career and it's kind of it's meandered you've taken different paths and you know i think the the the, the fortunate of, of being in professional sport there's obviously so much you can then translate across into other areas and you'll be able to transplant that into into other business but i think a lot of people much like you much like myself who go through a significant portion of their career not really having a a plan in place right you kind of you go from you you if you're fortunate enough you're able to keep progressing and and rising up through whichever uh path you're taking but at some point i think most of us reach a point saying and we want more we want something that feels like we're contributing or we something that means something and so what was that kind of what did you do once you kind of came to that that line in the sand as you put it and said right i've got to do something else what what did you do at that point um there's two things what one was to work out um and and, and I, I, it, it was never about not wanting to be employed by somebody I was quite happy being employed I've, I've never been one of those people that needs to be in control of, mm-hmm. of his own destiny um, so it wasn't about that, um, but I, I definitely knew that I was a coach, that I was consultative by nature, and I, I first started to I wanted to work out what what was meaningful about high performance sport and the, my exposure to that in the context of business, and what did I learn in business that could transfer back into sport. So having had a foot in both camps at a really high level, um, I thought, okay, there's something in that. What is it? So I started to study around that. And when I decided that I'm a coach and a consultant and I'm a 
you know, a well-trained coach, pro license in football. Um, but I'm going into a co performance coaching environment in the corporate sector. Um, what else do I need to learn? So I started to study psychology and I started to study it in, in a way that I could apply the principles to my own, to my own life. Mm -hmm. I was really fortunate. So I, the, I, I'm fortunate that to be able to reach back into a really strong network of people. And I did a deal with a group called the colloquium group who are very academic, um, psychologically trained ones a doc ones a phd as a master's of um, uh, master's of proper coaching company australian based who i'd met and i offered to help to transition their business from being an organic organically growing well respected business in australia to globalizing you know use globalizing in the broad sense have a uk base and, and mm -hmm. start and start with that so th that was part of this journey of you know being able to tap into those minds and and, and so on. but at the same time studying cognitive behavioral therapy I, you know i did all those modalities and mm -hmm. i wanted to understand what what was under what was driving and understanding my um my preferences and my approach to life and and, and so on and i've always had an interest in 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 that um, so those two things combined uh, brought brought me to this point, and and part of that was to do a really deep deep dive that, that took me um, to 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 really uncover what what my core values were, and 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 not in a light touch way, in a, in a pretty stripped back way. Um, and there's some hard truths to face in that that department, you know. So you face up to those and go, okay what what is it about those things that make it a hard truth and that's where your values lie at the end of the day mm -hmm. if, if there's something that's really been at odds with who you are then you know what it is you just have to be honest about it and um, so i've been through that and then then to wind that forward into the future so i've decided this is where i'm going to be I've, I've i've looked back at all my life lessons and inspirations and what drives me and what what fears hold me back and you know all of the personality characteristics that are innate and some of the behaviors that i've learned along the way um good experiences bad experiences and and you know when you capture my life in history i've got these chapters of my life where you've got this crazy lots of bad stuff happening then really good stuff lots of bad stuff happening <laughs> then really good stuff so when it's on a page and you can see it you, you, and you start to put some meaning around it you go, all right okay that's that makes sense so you made sense of of all that and you go okay so i'm sort of this is where i am there's a hell of a lot i don't know which is a great place to start you know so any conversation or business that i go into now i assume that i know very little mm -hmm. and it's all about that, that that being curious about what what's at play um and then, that's interesting then... on that just because i think we we kind of learn to be scared of having taken that position i think we tend to go into things trying to front up like we know more than we than we actually do and 
it prevents us from learning more than than we otherwise possibly could and i don't know where i don't know whether it's 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 part of us you know it's built into us as we grow up through education or or where it comes from but there's this kind of fear of looking like you don't know what you're doing but everyone has the same fear and the same doubt and yet we're all still we all keep hiding it it's 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 just an interesting thing for me that you know to go you know when you're going in particularly to consult it's important that you go in as being the kind of the dumbest person in a room to a regard because that's how you're going to understand how that how that organization or how that group of people or that individual currently works and operates now otherwise you you can't if you go in telling what what Mm. are you going to gain from that yeah yeah and i think a coach's role and i am a coach you know i'm not unless unless i'm in a very specific so if i was if i was in a, a conversation with a young football coach an aspirational manager i could probably do some mentoring because i've been there and you know if i was invited to mentor i could mentor but i would my natural state is to is to be curious and try and explore what's meaningful for the people that I'm working with. So at the moment, I mean, I'm working in the aviation sector. It's a massively challenged sector. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the company itself's gone from 1500 to virtually half the number of employees. So they're having to right. transform the way that they, they manufacture what they manufacture. Um, and as part of their internal process, they've pushed some, some people into leadership roles before they're, Ready. before they're ready they know that they're going to grow into it but they so they've, they've got all of these complex things to deal with most of that's external demand and, and out of their control um so helping to to map their way through that is relatively straightforward even though it's it's a complex dynamic um the real challenge is what is it that's 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 holding if you talk about imposter syndrome yeah um or you know if they've got an innate need to be liked you know or a fear of not being loved or a fear of not being accepted or a fit then it makes things Mm -hmm. ultra complicated for them um i think that, that 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 that's what really prevents a lot of people from being authentically them you know we were talking earlier about alex ferguson how he was authentically himself and i think that's that fear and i put a post out about this actually earlier today is that fear is the single biggest killer of human dreams and and achievement because Mm. we only reason we don't do something generally is because we're scared that either we don't know how or we can't or we'll we'll fail we'll look silly or or something else and that's the big i think that's the as uh, when you're coaching i think that's probably the biggest area is understanding what those fears are and how how do people overcome them yeah i agree and i think having a purpose defining a purpose that's got meaning Mm. makes it makes the steps that you might take a little bit easier it makes say no easier it makes you can align your decision making to it and you know helping leaders perform better is about you know, you, you want to be making the right decision more, more of the time. So you want maturity and decisiveness. Um, but they're all, you know, 
I'm working heavily in the personality uh, realm now, and and there's no one type makes a good manager. There's no one type makes a team player. You know, some people will say that there is, oh, he's just not a team player, which which is not true. No, they've just got different things that they bring to the table. The best teams have got a mix a mix of everyone, and that's yeah. whether it's sport or in business. And the, the manager's job or, or, or the leader's job is to understand that and be the person that adapts first and makes the steps towards that. And, and I mean, that's what I do really. I bring that, I bring those conversations to the surface that don't normally get had. And the turnaround as a consequence is really quick. It, it, it people have suddenly got the same things that, or they're being asked questions that they weren't asked before that really matter to them mm-hmm. in the way that matters to them. So they feel valued, they feel respected, um, they feel empowered. You know, if a manager knows that somebody likes autonomy, then even if it's not the manager's natural style to give so much autonomy, if I've got enough self-awareness, I can go in this situation, I can let that, let that go. Yeah. And the results of that, a more engaged workforce, more productivity, less mental health, less absenteeism, all of those measurable metrics um, are going to reflect really well on me as the manager, you know, in, in a sporting context, better performance, mm-hmm. more happier fans, you know, no, no TV pundits asking you to resign. <laughs> yeah. it, all, it all goes full circle. It's, it's, it's the same where, wherever you go. And the, I think the big thing that, that the, the biggest thing that, not the biggest. I think individual differences are, are the biggest challenge that people face. Um, but in sport, the, the, the bit that gets really scrutinized and is under the most pressure is the performance at the end of the week. So Saturday afternoon, you have to be at your best. You have to score more than they do. And you get pilloried if it doesn't go really well. There's consequences. And consequences for the team, for the manager, and for the individual, that's when the fear really kicks in. Can't show myself up. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to take, I'm not, not going to make that pass just because. And, and subconsciously, all of that sort of stuff going yeah. on. I think about my uh, style as a manager and think, you know, this zero fear, you know, enthusiasm, glass half full, we're going this way. Great in theory, but but with a with a group of young people who who are not yet certain about themselves, who are not going to speak up and say, "Boss, that's yes." Can we please just change the way we do that? Wow! If if I'd been better at having those conversations, it would have been a little bit different. And I've got to hold my hands up and go, "That that that was." I'm, I'm happy that most of the time I was really successful before and you question how much of it was by design and how much of it was a bit of by luck and a bit of mm-hmm. a bit of ability, natural ability. What I'm able to do now is I can rationalize that and I can cope with the, the pain of failure because I think that they're the, they're the best, they're the best bits. Um, and now, and now we've got a, a structure where I can, because I know that how complex that is and the statistics tell me that the global workforce are passively disengaged 65% of them mm-hmm. just turning up at work and, you know, 
what does that look like when you're on the phone to a, to a customer? It's not it's not great. No. Um, and I spoke to someone in, in in healthcare two weeks ago, and they they talk about incivility kills people. So if you're in a hospital environment and there's rudeness or a lack of civil behavior between people mm -hmm. there's a spin-off a negative deficit wow. cycle that comes out of that conversation that in a life and death situation can impact the way people think and 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 how they do their job and in sport that means i'm not playing at my best uh, or i'm not playing for my teammates mm -hmm. or i'm not playing for the manager you know all of these things going on in your head um in in medical situations that's life and death in sporting situations it costs jobs um in business it costs it costs profit and it's it's all the same story yeah and and and, and jobs you know it, i think we is we, we kind of get stuck in our own small worlds and understandably so and and we quite often don't have the benefit of having that larger helicopter kind of view of the ripple effect right the, the, the butterfly effect as it were kind of that small action you know the simple things and i think you know when you i don't know you walk into a coffee shop and you you snap at the person behind the the the, the counter or they then interact with their colleagues in a net more negative way one of their colleagues has a really bad day they go home they shout at the kids the kid do you know what I mean? the knock-on effect is so large and, and within organizations that's so true that if the culture isn't really fostered and and people don't feel listened and don't listen to and don't feel valued then they don't contribute to each other in that hum human way and like you say the knock-on effect is, is enormous and i don't i don't think it's, these are the kind of skills that aren't invested enough in i think in my yeah. opinion you know leadership like you say a lot of more often than not people in leadership roles get promoted because they were good at a specific technical task whether it be selling or something else yeah prior to that rather than necessarily for the skill to to understand and to lead lead people yeah. and great they might have an ability to actually you might have been a great salesperson and you might be the, have the potential to be a great leader but if if no one invests in you to make that leap it's it's a huge huge jump a completely different skill set yeah it is an incredibly complex com you know I, I know i know from doing a deep dive about myself how complex i am yeah i'm, mar I'm I mar married i know how complex my wife is i know how complex you know opposites attract and then you get you know you get the friction that goes with that and then the growth that comes out of those two things together and when you throw that into a, a working relationships um you know, you use the term culture, and and, and I'm I'm playing with this at the, a lot at the moment about around resolution. So I see I see the term business culture as a, a very low resolution proposition. Mm -hmm. So it's like a hierarchy where at the top is the business culture, and at the bottom are all the conversations, the very high resolution conversations that are going on between people every minute of every day, um, and a lot of them because that's how people converse not because they know how to have the best conversation mm -hmm. in, in the right moment so the gap between the aspirational culture and the reality is more often than not huge yes yeah. so uh, when, when businesses talk about 
a, a, a good culture and having and wanting a good culture, they have to be thinking about um, resolution and how what what it means for all the different people that work there. And it, it, it touches on diversity. It touches on uh, just individuality, tolerance, loads of different things. Um, and it's all trainable. The challenge is to make it make it affordable and simple and easily applied. Mm -hmm. And I think because I study personality a lot and I've developed some tools that address these team dynamics and, and, and leadership performance, what I've found is that a lot of the tools that are out there deal with things from a quite a low resolution perspective. So, um, or, or their behavioral perspective, behavior changes from minute to minute. What I want to do is go, right, we're, we, we don't just fit into a, a red box or a blue box or mm -hmm. a green box, or, or we're not a label, um, or, or we're, yes, we're a mix of all these different things, but it's a bit ambiguous. So it takes a lot of interpretation to understand or to have conversation too complicated, like yeah. people back off and shove it in the bottom drawer and it never gets used. What I want to do is say, okay, you're individual, I'm individual, she's individual, the manager's individual. Let, let's understand what those differences are mm -hmm. exactly right now. Do you agree with this? Do you agree that this is who you are? Yes, 80%, 85%, bang on. This thing I don't agree with. Okay, let's ignore that. So this is you, yeah. Okay. And this is you, yeah. And this is you. Okay. And the environment that you're in uh, that's putting this external demand on you is asking you to do these things. Are you aligned to that first and foremost? Yes or no? Uh, most of the time, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Fantastic. Then you're in the right job. Yeah. And now the manager, how do you like to be managed? And how does the manager like to be reported to? So if, if you get the environment right and you get the manager manager's self-awareness right and then the manager being able to spring to the surface this individuality I, I would call it um, it's a theory I'm working on at the moment like don't lose the dressing room before mm -hmm. before you even start because otherwise most managers go through the day banging into people yeah not intentionally no but it hurts sometimes and that that pain doesn't go away easily no the person then going when's he going to bump into me again so Guarded, I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to show, not going to show my hand here anymore. And that, that's, you know, disengagement in a nutshell and that erosion of, uh, of, of engagement culminates ultimately in all sorts of, you know, there's only one end to that, you know, and it's jobs and it's mental health and it's, uh, you know, at a high level, it's, um, productivity, you know, it's team performance, productivity, just not, not good enough. Yeah. Entirely. I think helping helping people to understand other people is the biggest key to to fulfillment and happiness and and everything else if you can gain an appreciation and an understanding for those around you you don't you know everyone everyone does have a slightly different take on their own filter mm -hmm. of the world and try not to expect everyone to have the same filter as you uh, and then un, you know shutting the putting the barriers up when when they do have a different filter and not knowing how to handle yeah. it i think if you can create that level of understanding then 
teams work far more effectively and then you go home more happy and more fulfilled your your life at home becomes more happy and more fulfilled you know if, if you're miserable all day at work the chances of you going home and being the best you can possibly be as a you know a parent or um a, you know a, a husband wife whatever is it's very slim right because you're carrying the whole day's worth of frustration and upset and and whatever it is with you and yeah i think you know i think organizations have a huge responsibility to help ensure that people within their organization have that level of understanding and they do make an environment where people do feel you know safe and happy and fulfilled because the knock-on effect is huge right you just it, it, we don't think about you go home and then the kids get raised by someone who's miserable and unhappy and the yeah. cycle just perpetuates and magnifies and and it's it's easy to point the finger and say well you know parents should do this or someone else should do this but if if you want to have a successful organization that's where the responsibility lies in my opinion yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think I went off track before. You, you know, I was talking about the performance in sport was at, at the end of the week with, with all, all the scrutiny on it. Yes. When I take that, and, and the rest of the week then is about recovery. Yeah. What do we learn? We recover. We prepare again. Prepare. Prepare. Go again. Go scrutiny, again. pressure, perform, and so on. And, and that's the cycle. You go into business that's under pressure, pressure the, the pressure is constant so the demand for results is daily mm. the, the 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 demand from customers is incessant it, it, it's constant and the difference that i'm seeing in 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 the businesses that i'm working in is the demand for high performance is so high consistently it's not humanly possible to be that all of the time yeah and they there needs to be um, the, the consequence of that is burnout. People get burnt out. They take days off or they look for another job that's got yeah. better work-life balance, all, all of that sort of stuff. You know, that's what, you know, mental health, they're, they're big issues that come at the back end of that. But uh, in the moment when that's happening, help, helping people, helping businesses and leadership groups recognize what high performance or what, a better approach to high performance might look like that's going to have these benefits mm-hmm. is an important thing to do. So if you, if you, if you marry that, that if you grasp that as a concept and go, okay, yes, it's ridiculous. we we understand that we're asking too much of these people too often in order for them to be at their best all of the time. There's a, there's a deterioration in how they think about us, how they feel about work, how they react to their teammates, customers not having a good experience, all of that kind of stuff. Right, we can grasp that. Okay, now we've got these managers who've been put into situations with without adequate training in, uh, or ad- without any applications that help them understand the complexity that they're going into. Um, so we understand this. Per- per- we understand what performance looks like for our organization. We know what the goals are. We understand what high performance looks like. Uh, have we got the people? in the right environment, in the best fit, brilliant. And now let's make sure the managers understand the complexity that's at play and how to, and it will never be perfect, but how to really optimize mm-hmm. that dynamic to get the most out of the team. 
if you get that right, you've got a high performing organization, I, I believe. Or a high performing team, football team. Yeah, you do. Team. And, and it's, it's, it's just getting to that point, isn't it? It's accepting that you've got to take a, a you know, another line in the sand really and say, right, this is, we've got to, we've got to take a pause and we've got to invest and we've got to take the time to, to go through that process. I think, um, everything had this conversation previously with it seems in a lot of business now whether it be a technical change or, or any other kind of change everything's expected to be kind of a, a big bang moment in time rather than a transit you know a continuous transition and a mm -hmm. continuous evolution of who, who what the business is and and how it operates and we kind of well, what do we need to do okay we need to do this enormous great project that's going to take three years to deliver which by the time it's delivered will be completely out of date and we're going to be asking the same question again and wondering yeah, why yeah. we delivered something that we don't we don't want and i think if business could take more of a continuous improvement type approach and start addressing you know what does it what are they trying to achieve and how and what are our methods for achieving that do we have the right people in place do we have the people that with this do we have, do we have we given those people the the skills that they need i yeah. think you find businesses being you know probably waste less money become more efficient and, and that's what they're chasing at the end of the day and i think a lot of these the big decisions are, are, are based around the competitive environment and the fear of competitive competition and, and trying to stay alive. I think everyone's on, on ultra high alert from the, the senior management teams all the way to the bottom and it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a healthy way to be. Um, I, I think in terms of, if you look at the individual, so just the, purely from a self-awareness point of view, it's, it's pretty much the same process, you know, as an individual, um, it, it, it's like a really low res, low resolution thing was or he always drives me insane you know he just drives me crazy he's one of those guys that does this well there's a bit more to everybody than that sweeping generalization so at the top there's that there's that really low resolution i don't like him i don't like her i don't like this i don't like that well let's drill down a little bit and understand what are the good bits? What do you really like? You know, what is it that's, where's that friction coming from? If you can understand that, you can sort it out because nobody yeah. wants to really live like that. There's some no. people wired to like to have a bit of, a bit yes. of friction. Some people get sport out of it for some yeah, reason. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. What's it's the... not about disorders, is it? <laughs> no. Um, just quickly back onto you. Can, what's been your, as you've gone through all of these different, you've, you know, you, you've different in, in roles and all the rest of it, and now you're, you're you're out on your own taking the entrepreneurial route what's that experience been like for you so far and, and what have you i guess been able to carry over um yeah what, what's it what's it what's it just what's the difference been for you the, the first thing is it's evolutionary and it's it's continuous so it it's the the, the first part of it was to um if you think about so the, the brand, uh, my business is the leader's advisory, you know, and that was a process of, 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 of working out where in the landscape does it, does it all, all marry up and that's available as a, as a domain name. But behind all that was a, to really get, I needed to get clarity around what it is that I do 
So my, my vision is stronger people. That's a really simple two word vision, stronger mm -hmm. people. And what, what that means to me is that whether that's my personal life, re, you know, relationships, family, friends, or clients or businesses that I work for, um, that ultimately I add value to the people that, that they're stronger for the experience, mm -hmm. you know, they're better for the experience. And, you know, I work around, you know, if you think about footballers who, grow they've been in an academy all their lives so they make it as a professional and then they quit and suddenly it was all they've ever done and all they've ever known and they identify themselves as i'm a footballer it's the same as a ceo i'm a, I'm a ceo uh, i'm a train driver they're not it's often along those long journeys that people go through there's there's a there's a big gap in understanding of who you're being, your experience in life in your own way, um, and I, I want to help people bridge that gap between. Mm -hmm. So be better at who you are, and as a consequence of that, you'll actually be better at what you do, mm -hmm. and, and you can that you can refine what you do, and you can you can start to do more of what you like to do. It, it just makes sense. So it makes sense for me. That's the biggest the biggest shift. Um, and it's understanding. So developing profiling reports was about saying, okay, even in a conversation, um, if I want a general answer, I can ask a chunk of question and get a general response, or let's, I can ask what, what specifically do you mean by that to get into what, what, what's the truth, you know, let, let's get some facts on the table. Mm -hmm. Not this, this is this statement, it's a bit wishy-washy. Let's uh, understand more. So it's getting, um, you know, when I look at a group of people, there's all these blurred, you know, they're just blurred blobs of, mm -hmm. of people until I actually zo zo zoom right in and go, what's actually going on? How, how are you? And then you've got a, a chance to actually drill down a little bit. I like that metaphor. What do you think has been the biggest lesson you've, learned so far on the since you've set up on your own um biggest lesson uh, the, the, i think the biggest lesson is that it, it's i don't know if there's one to be honest but it's a good question i, I what if 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 what you're doing is meaningful um but so if if it's so so i believe what i'm doing is purposeful it, it's it's about stronger people helping people to help people so if i help managers help other people improve performance then i'm not just helping one person i'm helping through people to help other people so my learning out of that is that i've got a methodology that that does that so i'm proving that that works um I'm very uh, content that that's a meaningful way for me to live my life. And since I've been in that uh, mindset, um, I find that I'm attracting people in my direction who like that tone of voice. Mm -hmm. um, they want to experience more of uh, who I am and and what that methodology looks like and and it's yeah the part of it people want to 
know the football stories and there's loads of, you know I've, I've done a, a couple of speaking gigs and a li little bit of of, of, of um, presentate virtual presentation so far and I'm interested in how those stories have shaped me that can become lessons for other people um, and that's you know there's, there's, so there's lots around that so my, my own identity is very clear now um, I've been able to to bank all that experience and turn it into uh, something that helps people in the places where I want to help people. What would you, if you could go back to 21-year-old, 22-year-old Tony jumping on the plane to go to Australia, looking, looking back with all of the experiences you've had since then, what would be what would what would you what would you tell that that version of you? I, I definitely do it. I'd, I'd say go go for it. Um, I mean, the life lesson, you know, that's a it's a thirty year. There's thirty years of experience that I could if, if I could say to him, use these tools that I've developed, and you you'll. <laughs> you'll get where you want to go much faster that I definitely have offered that person. Would, would you, would you have been the type of a 21 or 22 year old Tony been the, been the kind of person to listen or would you? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I, I think, I think I was so open to learning um, that probably would have been if, if, if they'd been able to say, look, look at what you're doing now, just do this and see how it changes. If, mm -hmm. if it was quick, cause I get bored easily. If it was quick and I could see the impact, I'd probably have bought it. And it is quick and it does have a quick impact. So I'd have given it a chance. It's funny. I mean, I, I, I flew out of Manchester and went, landed in Tasmania. Not having had a playing career or anything like that, I was greeted at the airport by TV cameras and media. Really? Without any idea that that was going to happen. It, it was... It, when I reflect back on that and I smile about it and I, and I was doing um, punditry on TV sort of within, within two years, I was doing some like sports on <laughs> sports on Sunday as a 22 year old, like, you know, suited up on, on the telly thought it was really cool, you know, and you know, it is a really cool thing to have, to have done in high Great experiences. Yeah. 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 And, and it, you know, I'm comfortable in that, um, making a fool of myself that was never, I was not fearful of, mm -hmm. of putting myself out there, which, which has been a as a, a blessing um, and some great learnings that not everybody's wired that way. And when you try and drag people in a direction, um, you know, in the past, it would have just maybe worked or not worked or worked yeah. to a lesser degree. Um, now I've got the insight and the knowledge and the psychology behind Mm -hmm. how to approach that in a different way that that's that's ex that's that comes with experience and being able to share those experiences with with um other senior people that um have perhaps got been doing things a certain way for a certain period of time that just don't seem to work anymore yeah. and people use uh generation gap as a as a reason why and and yes lots of people are, are on social media and you know there's much less human connection than there was before people grow up with different technologies um but that's a cop-out for me yeah because 
I'm the one that needs to move. I'm, if I'm the senior manager working with a, a younger generation coming through, it's with me to understand and make those adjustments. So I yep. don't buy it. I don't buy it. You can't otherwise. You just sat there saying, "Well, it's it's their responsibility to to, exactly. to go back in time, <laughs> go back into buying not, by dinosaur way." Things the way we used to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just not the same. They don't work as hard. <laughs> all these big, all these big low resolution ideas yeah. that 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 were formed ages ago. And we we all have distorted uh, memories of what life used to actually be like. <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not even the truth. Do you um do you have a kind of a way of starting the day and ending the day? Is, have you and if so, have you always had that, or is it have you changed or adopted something different? I haven't always. I used to be a runner. Uh, I used to love running, and my intention during lockdowns and stuff was to get back into it because I really do my best thinking when I'm when I'm running, mm -hmm. but. I think there's some pain avoidance has kicked in. And <laughs> it's always a good idea, and I'm and I'm just not not doing. The it. problem is with things like running. If you're if you haven't done it for a while and oh, and it, it, it hurts. hurts like hell, the yeah. <laughs> like the the incentive to go and do it is much yeah. is much lower. Once you go through that pain barrier, after a couple of weeks, and you get back into the cycle of of running. And it doesn't yeah. hurt so much anymore. Your legs <laughs> still work. It, you yeah. can start to enjoy it again. But I'm like you. I haven't run for so long that every time I do try and run, I can't walk for a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's I bad. cycle now instead. So I have to discount that. Um, so what what I do do now, um, and I don't know why my sleeping. You know, I'm not stressed, uh, but I wake up early, like mm. really much earlier than I don't want to get up at like four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Um, but I'm using that time for study and I'm not studying in a formal way, just expanding my experience, mm -hmm. you know, watching different people or reading. Um, I have two black coffees. That's all. That's the only coffee I have in the morning. It's, it's not, it's not for the kicker or I don't, it probably is a little bit, but I don't get a buzz out of drinking coffee, mm -hmm. but it's the smell. It's just like the yeah. routine of making a nice it's a sensory you know i'm a sensory yeah. person um, and i check the calendar because i live in the future um <laughs> sticking to tasks is <laughs> is an absolute nightmare um so having a look at you know tools that keep me grounded and organized are really really important and what about the end of the day because i think we took I, i've started to ask this because it's easy to think about the beginning and i think the, the start of the day i think morning routines kind of get a lot of um a lot of press and a lot of publicity but the end of the day is something i've started to try and focus a bit more on how do i wind down am i conscious at the end of the day mm. do you do you do anything towards the end of the day to kind of like you know un, un, unwire i guess from the the day you've just had uh, it's, it's strange isn't it and, and I, I know all these things are, are great and, and I've got my wife into meditation. Um, she's working with a guy, James Granstrom. He's, he's brilliant. And it's like five, five or 10 minutes a day max that you need to do. And that's hard for me to get into that, mm -hmm. that, that routine. It's not like I've, I can't sit still. I, I actually can. I look, I love doing yoga. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're all should do's everything from the physical activity to the yoga to the meditation I, I could in in half an hour 
a day split between morning and evening mm-hmm. is a routine I am planning to get into. <laughs> You've got to turn because the should into a must, haven't you? I, 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 think, <laughs> I think that'll be good for me. <laughs> I love it. A couple of more questions before we, we, we sign off for the, the conversation. Yeah. But if you could, if you could gift the people listening now one book, what would that be? I had a couple. I had a couple that I was thinking of. What Benjamin Zander, the, the art couple. of po- the art of possibility. Mm-hmm. So his his quote that I love is, "If if your eyes are not shining, who am I being?" So he's a he's an orchestra. He's a conductor. So okay. if your eyes are not shining, who who am I being? So you know he he famously gave his students um, an A before term had even started, mm-hmm. and then he got them to write him an essay about what they would have done in the year ahead to get to that. To that pass mark so he changes the way that they that they, that they think he's, he's a genius he's brilliant so brilliant book and you can see him on youtube as well doing some of his he gets a whole audience to love classical music in 20 minutes on a ted talk it's amazing and the other one from a more of a business perspective and there's loads but there's a really short read called damn good advice for for pe- people with talent and it's by a marketer called george lois and it's sort of great look into branding and, and um, disruption and mm-hmm. mess, you know, messaging. It's some really cool stuff in there about just, you know, putting a line in the sand and, and just make, making a statement in the right way can, can be uh, life-changing. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to check that one out. Uh, and last question I'll give, go for you is, who do you think has been the biggest inspiration to you in your career? or life, I guess you can call it the broader sense. It's funny, I think I think back to school and I, I don't have memorable experiences from school. Didn't like school, wasn't academic. No, I was the same, I, I got memorable experiences, but they're not positive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there are people through my through my football career who, who turned the lights on um, in in the way that they could change people's behaviour, um, but I honestly can't land on 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 one. Um, I thought you were going to say Sir Alex being a United fan, you know. <laughs> no, I mean because you know, right right now, um, Klopp, for example, mm-hmm. I think he's a fascinating character. I think he's a great leader who would be in the top one percent of ceos in any industry that he was in because of his you know his his clarity of his vision his ability to tap into all the individuals in in his team so he he does inspire me right right now and to be a human that's i think the important thing with people like klopp is they don't lose their their sense of humor but they've got the they've got they've got the they've got that magic art of being able to be very direct with a smile on their face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've worked oh, yeah, with people like that, that have a very specific skill in yeah. everyone knows then they're serious, but they don't have to, they don't, they don't have to be an asshole about it to, to get their well, point. He's a realist as well, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's, he's managing a football team, gets paid, a, you know, crazy <laughs> amount of money to do it. So he's in the, the job of his, he's in the, the a world of, uh, of joyousness and you can see that he gets that 
Yeah. And he, he, he takes that responsibility seriously. Um, he know, probably knows it's crazy and ac accepts it for what it is. Yeah. And he, he, as a, as a, you know, as an output of that, he, he's able to stay grounded and, and, uh, he, he connects, it's his ability to connect, I think is, you know, and everybody would like to be better at connecting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, that's, that's the, that's the important part. It is an ability to connect. And I think it links back to a lot of the things that we've, we've spoken about today. Where can people track you down if they want to learn more about what you're doing now? Um, the www.theleadersadvisory.com is my website. Uh, Tony Wormsley on, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always up for a chat. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in talking to other, other coaches, um, consultants, and, uh, and anybody that's, that, that's, that just wants to have a chat about performance and, and, and team development. I just I just love conversations and seeing where they can go. I'm all about collaboration and partnerships. So, oh, it's it's been great talking. And to be honest, we definitely could have talked spoken for the entire afternoon because there's there's so many more questions I've got to ask. So you like you have to come back at some point. I'd um, love to. For now, thank you very much for giving up your time and and sharing a your journey, but also the your kind of your perspective and the insight and. Uh, on team performance i think it's i think a lot of people get a lot out of that david thanks very much really appreciate it thank you so much for listening to this conversation if you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation and if you haven't done so already please leave us a review it will really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes so leave us a review leave us a rating hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends until next time thank you again for listening